The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. 2.34 on the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. October 17th, the date that uh, cannabis will be legal in Canada. The announcement na- made today by the Prime Minister. Um, they need that 8 to 12 week window. That's right. To get things uh, done. Pete's on the phone. Hi, Pete. Hi. What's on your mind? Hey, this is a great leap forward for us to uh, legalize smoking marijuana. But there's one thing that really bugs me is you know, when it comes to drinking beer, you get into your vehicle, they have a scientific device that can detect how much beer you have really drank. When it comes to smoking pot, they don't really have any device of this nature yet in effect. Therefore, I don't think they should really legalize smoking marijuana until they can build some kind of unit that'll detect, let's say, within the past hour, if you have smoked a joint or not. If I get stopped in the side of the road by a policeman, I just finished smoking a joint, my hair looks like it's on fire, I'm blowing smoke rings, but he doesn't have a swab or he doesn't have some kind of device to detect that I've been smoking, wouldn't that just get kicked out of the court? Well, I don't know because I was of the impression, perhaps I'm totally wrong here, I was of the impression they had a well, method. Well, but it was not 100%, like mm-hmm. it wasn't guaranteed. There, There is a company I know that has developed That's something. Right. Yeah. Has it been completely approved? I don't know that. I just remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. And has it been, ado- been adopted by police forces across the country that this is going to be the standard method of testing. You know, there was a time when uh, impaired charges were laid without a breathalyzer, right? I'm, I'm, am I so old now that I, they would give you a roadside test you and determine old. impairment? You right? are old. I know I'm old, I know. Uh, but breathalyzers weren't always a thing. There was the roadside test, mm-hmm. right? And to this day, yeah, that's... Now it is a scientific device that yeah. you pour alcohol, right? So yeah, no, for sure. Can find something because I know I've had some of my workers actually tell me, you know what, Pete, once this is legalized, I'm going to be able to come to work stoned. And I thought, whoa. Whoa. They're getting the wrong idea here, I think. No, for sure they are. Well, both sides are getting the wrong idea. I don't think people are going to start flooding to work stoned. And and the other side of it is, there, I don't think there's going to be this sudden flood of people trying marijuana or doing things on marijuana that they weren't already doing. Like, I don't think, like, you and I aren't going to start smoking marijuana, I, I don't think. No, and, not, and certainly not showing up to work. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> we wouldn't show up to yeah. work after a couple of drinks, so for why sure. would you do it? Yeah. So, right, because, you know, you can't be impaired and do a live talk show. Although it sounds like it's really like well, you could, yeah, you could, <laughs> not for long. <laughs> I think it really comes down to education, though. You know, I don't know if we're going to be able to educate everybody. You know, the masses fast enough once it's uh, legalized, right? In order to stop them from having this opinion that they can go to work stoned or get in their vehicle and have, let's say, one joint. Mm-hmm. Get away with it, right? Yeah, and that's the other part I was going to say is that I think there's this misconception that nobody smokes marijuana right now yeah. and goes to work or drives. Yeah. And that once it's legal, they'll suddenly all start doing it. My suggestion would be that there are lots of individuals mm-hmm. who already do that, and legalization and, has nothing to do with it. will have no impact. And we have been told that by our listeners and our texters. Time you can see and our time text again. line right now. Right. Yeah. We sure do. Pete, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate hearing from you. And Aaron's on the phone. Hi, Aaron. 
Uh, hello. I was just uh, listening and I heard Nathan's comments there. And I've been one of his workers on sites. And my problem with the, his position is that uh, these guys have known this is coming for a long time. They've had two years to deal with it. They have tools right now in the Canadian work drug and alcohol policies, a uh, Canadian model that a lot of workers work under, for swab testing, which will show if you've used it within 12 hours. Um, they have the Rapid Site Access Program, which uh, you go and do a drug test, and then you can go to any site. You don't have to do a drug test before that site. And the employer has the right to uh, swab test you under, the, uh, under you know, do cause of suspicion, maybe your actions, or they have reasons. And they can do that test on you, and they can tell within 12 hours if you've used it. Hmm. And basically, the, to me, that would be you know, a, qual- a cause to get rid of that worker. The other thing is, if you're injured or something like that, and you're on Percocet or mm-hmm. you've got a prescription that's a painkiller, has addictive qualities and stuff like that, you're already not allowed to work on those sites. Yeah. They will put you on light duty or they will get you off-site until you're okay and they will bring you back after you're off that medication. So I don't... I understand some of the points when it comes to road tests and for police officers for the right now aspect, but I think this workplace thing, they've had a lot of time to deal with it and uh, if they're not ready, that's not that, that question, yeah. though, about what is impairment, what, what is that number for impairment, I think is really an important one that he was bringing up. Sure, but well, I that I brings that. me back to my original oh, point, which on, the caller just made, Aaron, that it's not like this came should have come as a surprise to any employer that... Oh, it's actually happening. I mean, we've been discussing it. The Liberals ran on it. We've had years to think about it. You would have assumed, uh, given a majority Liberal government two years ago, that we were headed here. So I don't know why you'd be scrambling now to figure it out. Well, I can tell you my one situation that happened to me and why they shouldn't be so worried or I don't understand why they aren't ready. Now, I do use marijuana. Um, I would be probably considered a chronic user. Um, I've worked on all these sites. I've never had an issue of safety, except for one time, and that was on orientation. And what happened to me was a dog indicated by smell that something on me, there was a reason to, to search me. So they searched me and all that, and they gave me, I didn't have anything on me, and I did that swab. And I hadn't used marijuana in about two days before that. And I passed that test, and I was fine. I just had to wait for the results, and I went back to work. Hmm. Hmm. Well, they have tools at their disposal. It should uh, I, I can't you can't sit there and say like I can take ten Percocets a day and show up to work, and they're not going to let you operate a heavy crane already. Yeah. So I don't see to the guy who says that I can eat like you know a bunch of marijuana brownies. They're not going to give him that job anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. Aaron, appreciate your phone call and appreciate your honesty. Thanks for listening and thanks for giving us a shout. Not a problem. Thank you. There you go. All right. Um, great conversation. Thank you, yeah. everybody. And uh, still a lot to learn, uh, it sounds like, on a, a number of levels. So um, we keep on learning. And thanks sure. for helping educate us as well. Uh, 2.41, a break here when we come back. Let's talk about what to do with the Coliseum. All right, Chadville, we're going to switch gears for a little bit, but apparently if we ever need a talker, uh, cannabis goes back on the list. Uh, well, they aren't giving up. The Agora Borealis group that wants to turn the Coliseum into a housing project says they will continue pitching the idea despite the fact the city is in the midst of an arena redevelopment plan for the area that includes demolishing the old barn. All right, involved with uh, Agora Borealis is Ben Gardner, architect. He joins us on the phone now. Hi, Ben. Hi, Andrew. 
Hi, Jalen. How are you guys doing? Good, pretty thank good, you. Pretty good. So, look, uh, well, let me paint this as positively as possible first. What is it your group would like to do with the Coliseum? Well, we see an opportunity here to repurpose it. Um, uh, we're looking at um, uh, multifamily, specifically a mix of seniors' residences, uh, students, and a hotel. So students. It's also an opportunity for a lot of community recreation, uh, retail, um, all within a rather grand atrium that can accommodate restaurants, um, uh, markets, grocers, that kind of stuff. So are you basically of the opinion that the the barn has good bones kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've talked, I know a couple of people who helped to build that barn back in the day. Um, it's pretty solid. It's got a lot of steel and a lot of concrete in it. And I think... Um, the cost of demolition is indicative of how strong those bones are. <laughs> well, or just the size of the structure, right? True. Yeah. So what what took you so long to, to present this? Uh, we started working on this in December okay. of 2000, um, of last year. And um, um, it was a, a very slow and steady progression. We started when we learned about the cost of demolition. Okay. And it just seemed like such a hard number to fathom. When the cost of demolishing the building could be more than the land value itself, hmm. it puts the city in a really negative position on that on that piece of dirt. Well, this has been a tough one from the city for the city from the beginning, right? Because basically it brings up questions of the deal that we made with you know with regard to the new arena and I think the city would just I think if they had it their way, they would flip a switch today and get rid of the building just to get rid of the the conversation about the building. Yeah, I, 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 I think you're absolutely right. I think this has been this conversation has been going on for a long time. Um, um, a number of groups have looked at different ideas, and ideas uh, no ideas have proved viable so far. Um, this one could be. It's um, it's got a good. It's got a strong mix of uses, and it's big enough that it might actually succeed. Do any of those uses, though, conflict with the agreement that the city made with Daryl Cates about what could that that building could be repurposed as? When you talk about the entertainment thing, um, yeah, um, that's a, um, a very good question, and I think that um, the Cates group um, really clarified that nicely for us. It's simple; they need that facility closed. <laughs> if you have a restaurant in the space and that restaurant closes, you don't knock down the building that's housing that restaurant. You get another tenant. So, similar sort of logic hmm. should apply here. So when you said earlier, just a moment ago, you said that this one, you know, they're, they're looking for viable uses. This could be the one. So how do we change that from this could be to the one to this is the one what are what are you waiting for what are you hoping to have happen well we need dollars we need to know exactly how much this is going to cost we uh we can throw a couple of darts at some per square foot costs we've done a little bit of work but we're on a volunteer basis to get a dollar amount we need more resources so we can do more work in our business we call this the design development process we get the contractor enough information that he can give us a real dollar figure. 
Now, you talked to Council's Urban Planning Committee yesterday. It voted to keep on going with its plans to demolish the Coliseum. You say that you plan on... Uh, you're you're going to continue to push uh, the issue on this, but are, are you just coming up against a, a brick wall? I mean, if they've said no already, how do you get them to change their mind? Or do you know of counselors you think might be able, that you might be able to change their minds? Well, I think the first step um, uh, from the city's part is to get an exact dollar figure for the cost of demolition. We're going to get that in, um, next fall. So that is certainly going to help influence the discussion. Um, nothing is set in stone yet. Uh, no contracts have been signed. So we basically have until fall okay. uh, to um, uh, keep working on our story, do some more research, and um, hopefully get some more resources on board so we can generate, generate some realistic figures. Well, the vote originally, wasn't it 7-6 to demolish? It was pretty close, absolutely. Yeah, so um, you're hoping, I would suppose, then, to get one of those seven to change, to change their, mind. their minds, right? But in order to do that, you'd have to get one of the six to put something before council for them to change their minds on. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, certainly there's a possibility of that. Um, this, um, our uh, concept here is pretty unique, and uh, we've had... Um, uh, um, a number of councillors say, you know what, we haven't had a viable alternate alternative put in front of us, and this could be it. But uh, we uh, we need to do a little bit more homework um, to uh, to give councillors who are on the fence what they need. Ben, to, would this um, be a tax? Would this be tax dollars involved, or is this all private? This entire project could be done with private dollars. I am I can't believe. Um, the uh, groups that have come forward to us and said, can we participate? Really? Well, that was the next question. That was my next question. But but I've been told, or I've read, that that no viable investor did step up during the time that council was debating demolition or repurposing. So are you saying that, I mean, beyond someone saying, yeah, I might be interested, do you have a firm commitment from anybody? We have a couple of very interesting parties. We um, we haven't been... Uh, soliciting letters of interest. We'd like to do so, um, but considering that we're not the owner of the property, we'd like to get, um, you know, a little bit of support from the owner of the property to do so. But we've actually received um, um, an unsolicited letter of interest um, from a major hotel operator. Hmm. And um, there are plenty of other developers who are very interested in this project. This is a completely different program than what the city's seen before. It's a market-based program. I think that's what's sparking interest from developers. Well, I have to ask you to answer uh, Michael Walters, and we're going to have him on the program coming up after the top of the hour here. And he's, of course, the uh, uh, he chairs the committee uh, involved in this. And I'll quote him. I think the truth is we're talking about a fairy tale here and we need to get on with reality. And the reality in front of us now is the plan for that area we're working closely with surrounding communities to create. He's calling your plan a fairy tale. But, but that's okay. He's, um, he has every right to do so. It, at this point, I wouldn't call the plan. It's an idea that needs more backup. And to get more backup, we need more resources. So we are going to be asking for help from the city, from developers, to uh, get more boots on the ground and 
do some more homework on this. Okay, so hmm. you're, you're the 11th hour call from the governor then to try and stop <laughs> yeah. the execution. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. Okay. All right. How optimistic are you? Um, I'm feeling really optimistic uh, from a, uh, a public level. You know, I think there's a real uh, uh, taste from uh, from um, our fellow citizens to take a harder look at this. Yeah, I like the, and you know, we've talked about this often and the, the whole idea of housing has been brought up numerous times when it comes to, to that building in that area. Um, personally, I, I, if you're telling me that no tax dollars are going into this and it would add some seniors housing and maybe that, I'd, I'd say, okay, let's take another look. I don't think Councillor Walters is going to like that all too much <laughs> when he comes in after three o'clock. You know, a ballpark, what do you think that the entire project would cost? Um, right now, we're using um, numbers between 120 and 140 million. You know, very conservative numbers that uh, we've received um, from our general contractor. Um, but uh, we're reusing, I'd say, 95 percent of the existing structure, a lot of the existing skin. I think that number is going to go down hmm. as we dig deeper into the design. Well, the ace that you want to have up your sleeve is the cost of uh, demolition so that you can compare those two mm-hmm. numbers. That's the selling point, right? Yeah, there's a potential $10 million loss that the city's going into after demolition, where they're $10 million in the hole after they sell the property. Um, that could be a very compelling argument uh, towards taking another look at uh, keeping the building. Hmm. All right, interesting stuff. Ben well, Gardner, we look yeah. forward to see what happens uh, next and to see if you get any movement on City Council with this one. Uh, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Thanks, Jalen. Andrew, thank you. All right, Our take it easy. Ben Gardner, who is involved with Agora Borealis, who wants, you know, this idea of a mix of, uh, you know, seniors and multifamily housing with a big mm-hmm. atrium. I, I, I Listen, think it's I love people with vision. I love, you know, and I, you know, the big... Yeah. Grand, yeah, the the grand vision. I I love it. I I have the feeling that council has made up its mind and is going to plow ahead well, and get things. And possibly because, and we'll take this up with uh, Michael Michael Walters when he's on. Wait, he's in studio. Uh, Michael Walters is, uh, to my way of thinking, more of a uh, dollars and cents, uh, get it done kind of guy. He's very uh, yeah. pragmatic. Uh, but the council itself is one that looks at gondolas and uh, you know, funiculars. And, uh, you know, so I'm surprised that they, as I say, I'm surprised that they don't want to revisit this. To or a explore very, it a little uh, bit. Explore it to a small extent, but to a bigger extent, I know, look, they made a bad deal Bad deal. They made a bad deal on the arena, and that bad deal, the memory of that bad deal is that vacant piece of uh, mm-hmm. property there, and the sooner no they bulldoze with. it, the the sooner it'll be a memory. Someone had texted, it wasn't a movie studio inter- interested yeah, but, you can't that, do but that's entertainment. entertainment. Right. That's entertainment. That's, there's a clause in the contract where yeah. entertainment can't be there, yeah. and that's a big problem. Three o'clock news coming up with Eileen Bell on the other side. Ward 10 City Councilor Michael Walters joins us in studio. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.